I'm excited about today's sermon. I hope that, that you'll be open and listen and allow the Lord to touch your life. I want to read several verses of Scripture that's found in the book of St. John, chapter 12. And uh, we will read from the New King James Version. And it starts like this. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. I want you to listen to this reading because it has a lot to do with what I'm going to say today. Verse 3. Then Mary took a uh, a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Then he said, Not that he cared for the This he said, Not that he cared for the poor. Very interesting verse. Why wasn't this taken and given to the poor? Judas Iscariot said we could have taken it and bought food, clothing, or whatever. And the writer here, John, said this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. In other words, Judas Iscariot was stealing from the money that the disciples and Jesus had gathered and collected. He embezzled the money. But Jesus said, and here's what Jesus says to him, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Now notice this great plot to have Lazarus killed. Now, a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Verse 12, the next day, a great multitude that had Come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out and met him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. And Jesus, when he had found the young donkey, sat on it, it as it is written. And this is taken from Zechariah. Chapter 9, verse 9. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's coat. Verse 16. His disciples did not understand these things at first. When Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. 
For this reason, the people also met him, because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees, therefore, said among themselves, notice this statement. Notice the frustration. Notice the hopelessness as far as these Pharisees were concerned. You see that you are, you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Very interesting statement. But they didn't give up, even though they made this statement. Verse 20. Now, there were chosen Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. We ask that you would cause it to uh, find a lodging place in our hearts. May we be very uh, alert today to receive what thus saith the Lord. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I want you to notice the paragraph I have for the introduction. If you do not have an outline, I want you to have one. Please raise your hand, and Brother Steve will make sure that you get one. I want you to read this paragraph with me. I've spent about an hour on it, so please pacify me at least. (laughs) Notice what we say here. It is a rare thing that all four Gospels record the same event in Jesus' life. But what happens on this day in Jerusalem is recorded by all four of the Gospel writers. For that reason alone, we should consider what happened here to be important. Six days before the Passover, on what we call Palm Sunday, Jesus rode a donkey into Jerusalem. His dynamic entrance into the city fulfilled prophecy. As I said, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, affirmed his messianic royalty and set the stage for his crucifixion. There was a great crowd there that day, that had come to celebrate the feast of the Passover. But who were their faces in that crowd that day? And what were they thinking? In other words, there were mixed motives for being in this crowd. The historian Josephus says there were about 2 million people here in Jerusalem. I was talking with Sister Carol this week, and we were reminiscing over the trip to Jerusalem and how that the streets were so narrow, the cobbled streets and all about this great city. But throughout this city, people had come from all over the world, especially from Galilee. Because there were three times that the Jews were required to go to Jerusalem. And this one, the Passover, representing, of course, the exodus of the children of Israel out of Egypt and the hand and miracle of God. So here we have a, when the Bible says a great crowd, it was a great crowd. And there were, there were a lot 
uh, someone said that there were about well over 200,000 lambs, sheep that were slain during that time. And each one represented 10 people of the family. So it was a very active time in Jerusalem. It was sort of like, I guess, in a way, like New Year's Eve in Times Square. People were active. They were going. No doubt there were all kind of activities, having the selling of the trinkets, having the fellowship, renewing old acquaintances and whatever. But this crowd gathered, many of them, for different reasons. I want to ask you today, why would you go to Jerusalem? We know it was for the Passover. Notice, first of all, the ones that we look at, and I think this is very important, the Roman soldiers were there. As the crowd begins to honor Jesus, it gets the attention of the Roman soldiers. It took tens of thousands of Roman soldiers to keep the peace, to stop, if any, a riot, and those that would try to overthrow the Roman Empire. And so the Roman soldiers were there. What did this demonstration mean to the Romans? What was in their mind? as tens and hundreds of thousands of people gathered into this city. What, were their th- what was their thinking? Some must have smiled at the triumphant uh, entry because it was nothing like their own triumphal celebration back in Rome. You see, if there was a general an army leader that had slain or had been the means of slaying 5,000 people, if he had conquered land and done all the exploits as a Roman general or soldier, they had a great parade for him, a ticker uh, tape parade. And... They brought him in with all kind of fanfare. He was brought in in a gold-covered chariot pulled by white stallions. And he was honored and he was praised. Here comes someone not on a gold-covered chariot, not on a white horse, but on a donkey. A humble animal, not representing anyone like a king or any great leader. And so these soldiers were thinking, what's going on? In fact, I have a feeling that these Roman soldiers begin to snicker and to laugh. They call him a king? Huh. And maybe that's the way some people think today. They look at Jesus, they look at one that came and died on the cross, and they know history tells us that happened. Many don't believe that he rose again, but yet 
there are millions and millions of people that honor this man that came and died. And as far as they're concerned, never rose again. And people laugh at us. They laugh at people that come and gather in church on Sunday morning. They laugh at people that have their Bible and read about Jesus and actually believe it. And they make fun. You're saying you believe in a God that is dead? Even if they did believe that he rose again, you mean to tell me this lowly Galilean that lived for 33 years, often in obscurity, that he was mocked? You mean to tell me that you believe in him? This is what the Roman soldiers, no doubt, were doing concerning Jesus. The second crowd, not just the Roman soldiers, but number two, some were there to see the show, not to see Jesus Christ. If you notice, this thing about Lazarus, and most of us know the story, how that Lazarus died, Jesus went to his tomb on the third day, spoke words of life, and Lazarus came out of the tomb alive. And it was, it was so well known, and there, was, there were many people there, it could not be denied. And so many from the crowd came to see the show. I wonder how many people go to church this morning to see the show. I, 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 met, I wonder how many people comes to see the preacher or come to see who's going to be singing or come to see the lights or just come because, hey, I'm going to be part of a big crowd today. I wonder if we come just to see the show. I wonder how many came this morning just to see your friends. Notice what we have. Many came to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There are people who were half-sincere seekers. They came, like many do today, they came to see the spectacular. I know as a young man, and my wife and I raised in church, we had the opportunity of seeing some great men of God, and then we had the opportunity of seeing not too great, so great men of God. And we found out often people went to see people. They went to see the minister. They went to see the spectacular. You see, there are those that will go to church to see what you can do for me. What can I get out of church? What what can I receive? The crowd came to a social occasion, a festive atmosphere. You see, they wanted a party. They wanted something going on. They wanted to get something. Is this okay? Do you believe this? I, I, I think there are churches all over America, even around the world, that people just go to see what's going to happen. They weren't really interested in why Jesus was there. As I said, they wanted to see who was singing in the choir or what special singer, or let's go to the concert. 
We had many concerts in this church. We had some, as far as that time, some of the greatest singers that you could get. And we would draw crowds. I'll never forget one of the largest crowd we ever had was when we had the Hensons. Now, that name won't ring a bell for many of you, but the Hensons were well known. And we had hundreds and hundreds of people there. And over the years, we've had concerts. And when the, when the singers packed their buses and their albums and cassettes, and they take their microphones and their sound system and they leave, the crowd leaves. Now, there's nothing wrong with enjoying singing. There's nothing wrong with enjoying concerts. But do we go there just because something spectacular is going to happen? They came to see the show and join the party. And as I said, they came to see what would be done for them. So we have the Roman soldiers that were there laughing, scoffing, saying, hey, is this the king? Then we had those that wanted to see the show. They were praising God superficially. I don't think this morning that praise was going on in this church superficially. You could sense it. I mean, the power of God was here. The songs were anointed. The songs were divinely selected. I believe that. And they were sung under the anointing of the Spirit of God. And you could sense the, the presence of God in this place. I didn't sense anything superficially. I didn't sense anything that was not praising Him. Not the worship leader. Not the praise team. But to praise God. The third group, the religious leaders of that day. The Pharisees. The Sadducees. They were there. Those that certainly opposed Jesus Christ. They wanted the praise. They wanted the glory. And you see, wherever the prestige was, that's where these religious leaders were. Now we probably, maybe, and I say this with tongue in cheek, don't have this today. Ministers that are out for themselves. These are people who were half, uh, I'm sorry, they were fine as long as they were the center of attention. These preachers and teachers, these church leaders were only interested in themselves. God isn't pleased with that kind of leadership. Amen? Listen to what Ezekiel says. And I, I, I can see this today as we read it. Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 2 and 3 with the New International Version. Notice what it says. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. This is, this is preachers. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat curds, clothe yourselves with wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. It's all about me. 
It's all about what I have. Isaiah speaks the same thing. Chapter 56, verse 11, New King James Version. Yes, they are greedy. What? Dogs. Don't you call that preacher a dog? Well, God did. I see preachers all the time, from the very first word to the last word. Oh, they may talk about a lot of different things, but they're leading up to one thing. I mean, it's so true, but it's not just one or two. It's many of them. And God says here in Isaiah, yes, they are greedy dogs, which never have enough. One man that drives and has two Rolls Royce. Two. One's not enough. He's worth $27 million. And he wants 300 people. Or, or not 300, but he wants, what, 30, I think thousands of people. They give him $300 so he can buy him a toy. $65 million. That's a lot of money to pray for, for an airplane. You say, preacher, you shouldn't down these people. God says they're greedy dogs. Anybody that's worth $27 million, and I'm not going into all the houses that they own, not only in, 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 in Texas, but in Atlanta. Millions and millions of dollars a state. It's quiet in here. But that's what was there. These preachers. They were there to get the glory themselves. Let me read on. And they are shepherds who cannot understand. They all took to their own way, or rather look to their own way. Every one for his own gain, for his own territory. One man has so many jets that he has a runway and a hangar. His kids have got a jet. It cost about 50 and $60 million apiece. His grandkids have a jet. I don't know about you. You say, well, God wants us to be blessed. I believe that. But I believe today if Jesus Christ was here, he'd place a woe on some preachers that are not preaching the gospel but are out for gain. I believe that with all of my heart. It's okay. But you know, that's not the sad thing that they own all that. It's the sad thing that people that give to them. That's what I don't understand. Let me move on from here. Many today preach the prosperity gospel. Come to Jesus and all your cares and troubles will be over. Your son won't have a bad aneurysm. You won't have cancer. And I could go on and on and on and on. Listen, do I believe that God wants you to prosper? Yes. Do I believe that God will heal you? Yes. Do I believe that God not only will heal you but give you health? Yes. But he just might not either. 
the gospel that you and I and whoever preach must be able to be preached around the world. Some of the prosperity gospel that's, a, that's preached today, you couldn't preach it in lands that I've been. You couldn't preach it in India. How about in the Middle East? It's important. So we had the Roman soldiers there that were laughing and scoffing and questioning. We had those that were there just for the show. And then the religious leaders were there. But we're not stopped there. There's one more group of people that were there. And they were Greeks. They were outsiders. They were Gentiles. And they came to Philip. Philip's name, Philip is a Greek name. In fact, some said that he was a Greek. They came to Philip and they made a statement. It is so very important. In other words, with all the festivities, with all the excitement, with all the millions of people, with the slaughter of all the animals, with everything that was going on. And you can go to churches where there's a lot going on. Just a lot going on. They came to Philip and said, we're not looking at this or that or the other. They said, we want to see Jesus. I didn't go to hear to, just to hear the preacher. I didn't go to see what so-and-so had on. I didn't go to see a friend. I didn't go just to see the songs leaders and hear the songs. I didn't go to judge. I wasn't focusing on all the things that were happening. But I zeroed in on one thing. I went to church, I knelt to pray, I sung the songs that I might focus on Jesus Christ. Wow. Notice. Oh, that we could all come into his presence to glorify and honor him. I believe that every song that was sung this morning in fact, Joy Stanley's song was absolutely beautiful. I believe that every song that was sung this morning was to cause us all to focus on Jesus Christ. If we didn't choose to do that, it's not the church's fault or the worship team's fault. But every one of us, whether it's singing a song, whether it's praying, whether it's visiting the prisons, or getting people out of the prisons. No matter what we do, our focus must be on Jesus Christ. He's our friend. And he loves us today. He cares for us. One more thing. They came to worship at the feast, but they wanted to see Jesus. The Amplified says there, listen to this. The Amplified says there, we desire to see Jesus. Would to God we came on the property desiring to see Jesus. Would to God we came in the sanctuary, and I believe we did. 
I believe you did. Would to God we came in the sanctuary wanting to see Jesus. Sing, give, preach. The whole thing is that we might see Jesus. You see, if we come today and feel good, enjoy the singing, that's good. But if I don't see Jesus, Paul said that I might know him. That I might know him. You know he's your friend. Listen at me. He's your friend.